So we've been dealing in the last part, in the first part of this, with the whole issue of why prayers are not answered. And so I covered some scriptures from the New Testament where, where Jesus, at different times, whether it be disciples or whether it be his hometown or whatever, he commented about being, there being a lack of faith. In other words, the people that, that perhaps wanted something from the Lord, it wasn't happening because of their lack of faith. So, so Jesus was not hesitant to refer to something called a lack of faith. We're offended by it if somebody said to us, oh, you just have a lack of faith. But those people apparently received it because the disciples still hung in there and so on. The Pharisees still followed them all over the place, so they weren't offended enough to quit doing that. And so that's what we got. And we covered then the first two basic things that we need to do to build up faith. The first one was simply reading the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, whatever. And as we hear the Word of God, especially the words of Jesus, because in, in Romans 10, 17, it says, it talks about hearing the message through the, through the Word of Christ, Jesus. And so the Old Testament is important in understanding and giving us faith, but Jesus' words are the most important in my opinion. And so we need to recognize we can build up our faith through reading the Word of God. The second thing we talked about was something that, of course, is controversial because the enemy wants it that way. But yet it says twice in, uh, first of all, 1 Corinthians 14, and then in Jude verse 20, it says there twice. It says very clearly, our faith is built up by praying in the Spirit. And so I have to leave it at that. If you have struggles with that, go back to my first part if you haven't seen it, and it will help you understand um, that we need to be people that pray in the Spirit and read the Word of God, hear the Word of God. I recommend people when they hear, they read it, to read it out loud, especially in the New Testament, to build up your faith. Now here's a situation in Luke 17, verses 5 to 10 is the whole story. I've just picked out a few verses to try to help us um, uh, respond to what Jesus said. But the disciples said to Jesus, increase our faith. Now, to say that to Jesus, they should know by now you're not going to have a very nice answer because what he's going to say will probably go against the grain of your personality, of your, your old fleshly personality. We know the disciples were still in a mindset, oh, I'm going to be greater than you in the kingdom of God, and they even wanted Jesus to appoint them as, as, as you know, uh, prime minister, treasurer, whatever. He, they came to him, and even their mother, James and John's mother, came asking Jesus, would you appoint them to special places? And so they didn't have an attitude that was right. And so Jesus, waiting for his chance to nail this thing, found it when they said, increase our faith. So this is what he said in verse 7. 
Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down, eat? And the answer is no, he would never say that. Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. And after that, you may eat and drink. And so I like to do a bit of paraphrasing there. You know, this guy comes in, it's his sweat. It's been a hot day. He's hungry, he's thirsty, but he can't stop working after working all day in the field. He now has to prepare dinner and get this guy's drink ready for him. He's this old fellow that owns him probably sat under a yum-yum tree half the day drinking cold drinks while this guy's out in the field. But the servant goes ahead, gets his meal ready for him, gets his meal, and it doesn't say, but he probably had to get him ready for bed, mix, fix the bed up and find his teddy bear or whatever. He had to do all this stuff. And after he's all done, then it says, in verse 9, would, he, would this guy that owns him, would he thank the servant because he did what he's told to do? And the answer is no, he, he wouldn't get any thanks. He doesn't get any pats in the back saying, you did a good job. He just told the servant what he had to do. And all the injustice piled upon him, upon the servant. What was the servant's response? After injustice upon injustice, the heat of the day, the strain of cooking, the looking after this guy. Verse 10, so you also, he's saying to the disciples, you guys, listen, you want your faith built up? Listen, when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. In other words, stop bellyaching, stop looking for thanks, stop looking for affirmation. You're just an unworthy person. And you might say, Howard, don't call me an unworthy person. I know, listen, I've spent years trying to help people over um, low self-image, low self-esteem. And I come to the conclusion, we, we should stop all that and say, without Jesus, I'm worth nothing. Without Jesus, I'm unworthy. Yes, my low self-esteem is because I don't have Jesus in my life. I have made him Lord of my life. And you see, this passage of Scripture, Jesus saying, look at disciples, if you want to have faith, it's time, step one, forget about yourself. Stop mumbling, complaining about yourself. Stop looking for prominence. And start to do what the second commandment that Jesus said to do, Start doing it. Prefer others above yourself. Or do to others like you would like them to do to you. Don't do anything to anyone you wouldn't want done to yourself, etc., etc. He was trying to say to the disciples, get your eyes off yourself. Get your thoughts off yourself. Start to look around. How can I fulfill the second commandment by serving someone else without grumbling, without complaint? Jesus said, when you start to do that, I'm going to answer your prayers because your faith is being built up. Woo. I'm going to start hearing you because if you're not willing to serve, you've broken the second commandment. And if you break the second commandment, you're in disobedience. And I told you that Psalms 66 and Isaiah 59, both of them say, 
God won't hear our prayers if there's sin in our lives. So I've broken the second commandment. He's not going to hear me because I'm focused on self, not focused on others. First commandment, I'm to focus on Jesus. What does he want? Doesn't matter about me. I'm here to serve. I like to look at it this way. I'm his servant. I see him as my Lord. I serve him as my Lord. How does he see me? He sees me as a son. He sees me as his favorite child. He sees me that way. But I see him as my Lord. And as I see him as my Lord, I need to remember, it's the Lord Jesus who heals. It's the Lord Jesus who delivers. When I've made him my master and I'm his servant, to fulfill the first commandment, to fulfill the second commandment, he says, then I'll answer your prayers. If it's within my will, I'll answer your prayers. The things I want for you, I'll answer your prayers if it's good for you and good for my kingdom. So we need to say to yourself, well, how do I come? How do I, how do I become a servant to go out and say, oh, I'm going to hate this, but I'm going to have to do it. Well, you can do that if you want to. I hope I'm not around because I might rebuke you. And we don't do that in church anymore, no. And so, how, 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 do, I, how do I get my, my whole carnal nature twisted some way that I want to be a servant? Listen, you can't twist the old carnal nature. You can't train it. You can't send it to Bible school to, to get it relearned. You can't, you can't delete something and, and put in the right thing. The old carnal nature, there's only one remedy. It's called death. It has to die. You bury it in water baptism. You say, I die to my way of life. I die to everything. And when I come up out of that water, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus because my old way of selfishness and greed and me first, my selfish attitude is dead and buried. I've got a teaching somewhere in the archives on water baptism. It would help you to listen to it. Listen to John verse. For, uh, chapter 12, verse 4. I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces much, many, abundance seed. Back years ago, I was walking on a roadway, and there's a farmer's field right there, and the corn was about this high. It was in the spring, obviously, it's early summer. The corn was about this. And the farmer had planted as close to the road as he could, which many of them do, which is okay. And for some reason, I just grabbed one of the stalks, went over and grabbed one, pulled it up, and looked at the root, and it doesn't have a tap root like a, a dandelion has. It has just a bunch of fingers that, that make the, that's why corn needs rain, because it doesn't go very deep. And, and on one of those fingerlings, like a daddy long-legged spider, was what was left of a kernel of corn. And I thought, that's funny. Like, it's just the shell. It's not the inside. The inside was totally gone. 
but the shell was still there. That's the part you have to make sure you bite through when you eat cob in the corner. It, it has to be bitten through because that part will actually protect the kernel from being digested. And so that part in the outside protected it. It kept it so it wouldn't rot until it would start to produce that stalk of corn. And you see, the stalk of corn then, it can produce maybe at least one cob, maybe two cobs, maybe three cobs. You'd have to ask a, a corn farmer someday how many cobs, but I think up to at least three cobs, depending on the variety. But that one little kernel produced a lot of kernels. Back, you know, we're, my wife and I, Margaret, are empty nesters now, and our boys, they're all gone out, they're married. So our meals aren't always that jubilant as it was when we had four boys sitting around the table, and we don't, we don't kibitz as much as we used to with the boys and stuff. And so, so one day we're having cob in the corn, and, and I had just finished teaching on this subject, and I thought, it would be good to know, have a better idea how many kernels that one little seed produced. So Margaret and I, I said, you count your kernels, I'll count my kernels. And so we sat there, and you see, you count along a row how many kernels are there, and then you count how many rows, and then you do the math, and you find out mine was way over 300, Margaret's was a bit over 400. So if there's two cobs on that one stock, you're talking about seven, between seven, eight hundred kernels of corn that one kernel produced. Jesus said to his disciples, unless you're willing to die to what you want, your life, all that stuff, unless you're willing to die, I can't do anything for you. You're not going to get anything you're not going to produce anything because you're not dead. And so this whole issue of the, of the kernels of corn, this whole thing where so many were produced because they, one died, willing to die, Jesus trying to say, unless you're willing to die, unless you are. And so there's a choice to be made here. If I am going to produce in the kingdom of God, produce in my life, and get prayers answered, get the promises of God down where I need them to serve him better and to serve my family and to serve ministries better. I need to be a man of faith. And so that's why Jesus said, unless you're willing to die, we have to be willing. We have to say, Lord, I make a choice to die to what I want to live for what you want. And you see, Matthew 10, 38, Jesus underlines this, anyone who does not take up his cross. You see what the cross is for me? The cross is saying to my old carnal nature, I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to do what the Lord wants. Do you understand the difference? I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to do what the Lord wants. And again in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, that's the flesh, and take up his cross and follow me. That's his promise. 
In Mark chapter 8, there's a passage of Scripture, Mark. It's from 14 to 21. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But Jesus was in a boat. The disciples were concerned. We only have one loaf of bread, not enough for 12 guys plus Jesus. And Jesus said this to him when he heard them wondering. He just finished feeding 5,000, and a chapter later, the 3,000. All that stuff left over. And so we've always assumed this passage was about that. Well, yes, it was slightly, but not really. Because Jesus took the whole situation and took it into a whole different realm. In verse 15, he says, Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. In other words, Jesus saying, even though you, you saw the 5,000, you saw the 3,000, them fed with lots left over, more left over than we started with. I want to tell you about something else here. Be careful about the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. The yeast has to do with pride. It's symbolic of pride. And you see, something was welling up within the disciples, and Jesus could see it. What was welling up was, oh, Someday we're going to, Jesus will be king over Israel. We'll be, um, we'll be ministers of different departments in the government. We'll have great positions. And we're going to um, jockey back and forth to see who's going to be the greatest here. They even argued about that one day. Jesus said, watch out, be careful. Why? Because they're all flesh was going to destroy what God was calling them to do, but also would destroy any faith that they had because we just saw we have to become a servant, see ourselves as unworthy, even though God says you are worthy. We're, we see ourselves unworthy in order to serve. If I think I'm better than you are, I'm not going to serve you. But when I see myself as not deserving to be honored by God, not deserving to be worthy of his praise and his love, then I can go ahead and serve. You see, we want to hire people. We don't have lots of money. They serve us so we feel better about ourselves. Jesus said, no, no, that's the world. In the kingdom of God, we humble ourselves and say, I will serve you. Watch out, Jesus said. Watch out. Said in verse 18, you have eyes, but you don't see it. You have ears, but you fail to hear it. Don't you remember, he said. What are they supposed to remember? They're supposed to remember the Pharisees, because Jesus brought the Pharisees into the whole story of the loaves and fishes. He said, remember them. What are we supposed to remember? They walk around in their flowing robes. They're bigger and better than anybody else. They want to be seen as really holy. They spout out the law to prove that they know the word of God from the Old Testament. God, Jesus said, I want you to remember that because that's pride and that'll destroy your faith. That'll destroy your, 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 your humility and you won't be able to serve. And if you can't serve others and serve me, your faith is shot. He said in verse 21, you still don't understand. And they didn't understand until after the Holy Spirit had come on the day of Pentecost. There's wonderful promises that God has made. Philippians 
My God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He look after everything. How come he isn't? How come my financial needs? How come I pray for healing and it doesn't happen? Well, probably it's because of a lack of faith. It's probably because we're a little bit arrogant and think we're above others and we don't have to serve. It's probably because we've listened to people say you don't have to speak in tongues anymore when God says, and Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit says, and Paul says, and Jews said, it builds up your faith. We don't have to read the Word of God anymore. I'll go Sunday morning and hear it spoken. No, no, we're to feed on the Word every day. Jesus called it our food. You have food every day. You don't wait till Sunday morning to eat your meal for the week. You have food every day. And so we need to be people who says, I need to, I need to, I need to start doing what the scripture says. Then he will meet and my needs and supply my, my healings, my finances, my, my friendships, my relationships, all those things he's promised for, Lord. In Exodus 15, 26, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, though, of course, this is Moses talking to the Israelites when they're out in the wilderness, just after they get out. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases. Can I say that again? Promise of God. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. What's wrong? Our churches, our people are sick. They're in hospitals. They're dying prematurely. What's wrong? It's in the first line. If you listen carefully, and we don't. We don't read the Word of God, so how do we know? We don't pray in the Spirit to build up our faith. We're not willing to serve. We're only willing to exalt ourselves above somebody. No wonder we don't get our prayers answered. No wonder the promises aren't there. If you listen carefully. Now listening, if you go back in the Hebrew, it tells listening means I'm going to do what I hear. And, and you see, in this next one, he also said, I'm the Lord thy God who healeth thee. Another time he says, I sent forth my word and healed them. But there's something that's important here. Serving will help me come to a place where I feel like I'm part of the body of believers. It gives you, an, I hate to use the word ownership, but it makes you feel you belong because you're willing to serve. Get in there. But you see, in our, our prayer life, we haven't always been servants. What the Lord is trying to do here in this passage of Scripture, Exodus, he's saying, I don't want to bring on you. Who is he talking to? He was talking to this nation of Israel. He wasn't talking to me as an individual. He was talking to us as a nation. And he's trying to say to us as a, 
I have to believe it's a church in the New Testament at least. Um, hopefully it's a nation will respond, but the church has to respond first. He's saying to the church, as a body of believers, if you'll listen to my voice, if you'll do what I say, I will not bring the disease of Egypt upon you. Now you might say, is that an individual, my little church of 35 people? It might be, but he has in mind the church, at least the church in my nation and the church in your nation. He's saying, if that church will listen carefully to my voice, I will heal you and restore you. And so what's, what's my point? <clears throat> I think I'm sure of my point. My point is simply, if I start to see my healing and my lack of healing is a result of the condition of the overall church, maybe I'll start being more dominant against the enemy, a dominant against his lies, and start praying for revival, that the church would come to life. Because I believe if the church came to life and listened to the voice of the Lord, obeyed him in everything, and walked in righteousness in the fear of the Lord, and honoring his name, we would see across the church massive healings. We would see people coming to church because we say, we notice there's no sickness in your church. There's lots in my community none in your church. I want to know about why. I want to know about your God. I, oh, a brother that was ministering in India, he said he was all going over one of those footbridges, and on the top of the bridge, sitting there leaning against the rail, was an old lady, totally crippled with, with the curses of the, of the enemy upon her. He went up to her, and in and what he could speak in her language, he said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. He prayed for her, and her body straightened up. She was healed. Do you know what her question was? What is the name of your God? What is the name of your God? I want people to ask that. I want people coming to the churches and asking that question. Oh, hang in there. We're almost finished. Here's the key. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Just a minute. If you obey, then I know you love me. If you obey What's obeyed? The first commandment, the second commandment. Jesus said all the other commandments are wrapped up in those two. Jesus said that. I didn't. Jesus did. And then in John 15, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in his love. If you read John 14 and chapter 15, you'll come across a number of times that John is talking about that. And you see, this is what you're going to find in there. Jesus even says this, when I see your obedience, then I know that you love me. And if you love me, then my Father and I will come and make our home in you. Did you hear that? So precious. But you see, if I don't love, I've... That means I don't 
I'm sorry, if I don't love, that means I don't obey. And if I, oh, I'm, excuse me, if I don't obey, it means I don't love and I've broken the first commandment. Then in 1 John, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commandment. Not only love, but knowing him. If I obey him, I know him. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Glory to God. This is how we know we're in Christ. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Father, I've simply said to these people in these last two sessions what you have said. That's all. I don't apologize to anyone. I've said, Father, but you told the Holy Spirit to speak to man, to write down. I simply spoke what you said. Please, Lord, do the miracle that's needed because of this message. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.